Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today is a very special episode. We are going to be talking about the reunion special that was, that premiered live on HBO Max on January 1st. It was like the 20th, I don't even know what, like Return to Hogwarts. 20th reunion. 20 years. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I Return know to the, like the official something. name of it. Um, 20th reunion episode. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we're going to talk about that, talk about all of the feelings it made us feel, all of the thoughts that we have. Um, I'm really excited. Like, I know we talked about this in almost every episode leading up to the reunion special coming out, but, like, I just, like, progressively got more and more excited. The, like, more information we learned about what this reunion mm-hmm. special was going to be like. Um, and just, there are so many things that I felt while watching this that I just, like, I never thought. I was going to like I don't know I just feel like I never thought that this was going to happen I was like convinced if you would talk to me like two months ago before this was announced and told me that like Dan Emma and Rupert were gonna get together to talk about hair I would have told like Harry Potter I told you I would have thought you were crazy I'm like that's never gonna happen you're out of your mind and then just like hearing it actually happen and like specifically hearing Rupert and Dan talk about like Mm -hmm. how much Harry Potter is meant to them like really made me super emotional because I just don't think I ever thought like, I feel really bad ragging on them as much as I have in the past. Like, talking about how they don't care about Harry Potter. But, like, hearing them say those words, like, really made me emotional. Like, honestly. Yeah. I know this is, like, jumping way ahead. But just, like, first off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Off the bat. Like, I super enjoyed it. Um, I did, like, tear up a couple times throughout the thing the first time I watched. And... Yeah. I will say I feel like it unearthed a lot of like complicated feelings I have mm. about the movies and the series and all these things like good and bad like and we'll discuss those as they come up yeah. but um I do want to preface before we like do our little yeah. thingies um this is like the first we did not talk about it at all like between the two of us so you guys are like hearing our our takes the first time we're hearing each other's takes. Yeah, and I also have not really like read that much of a reaction about no, it online. Either. Like I don't like I just feel like there wasn't a lot of hype about it. Mm-hmm. Um at least like on my side of like social media, not on like the wizard studies side cuz I don't really like peruse those social medias very often as much as I should probably. Um and so like I don't even really know what the like general feeling coming out of it was for like Harry yeah, Potter fans. <laughs> just probably like I probably should know that going into this episode, but I just I uh, these were like fully my own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we go any further, our patron of the episode is Anne. Thank you for your support, Anne. We really appreciate it. Also, a happy late birthday. Your birthday was happy late birthday, Anne. Earlier this week, as of oh, I saw recording. that on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> happy um, birthday. And because of the support from patrons like Anne. Katie has an announcement about something we're doing. Yeah, we have a fun giveaway planned. Um, we haven't done like a, two giveaways. Yeah, two. It. I think. I think it's 
personally, I might be biased, but I think this is a really fun way to do a giveaway. We haven't done one in so long, and we decided that for this very special giveaway, Audrey and I each picked an item off of Etsy from like, they're two completely different like shops they're two completely different items um just one that audrey really liked that caught her eye and one that i really liked and caught my eye and so we are going to be posting pictures of both of those up on our instagram like as one post one post is going to have both pictures and how you enter to win either of those one of those is you have to be following our instagram account You have to like the post and you must comment which one you want. So you cannot enter to win both. So like this is also like a little bit of a competition between Audrey and I to like see (laughs) which item is like better received, which one people like more. Um, So under we're going to be posting this on Monday the 17th. So a day before this episode goes live. So it'll already be up on our Instagram whenever you're listening to this. So like I said, you have to follow our account, like the post and comment either Katie, my name, or Audrey, Audrey's name. Or should we just have them comment what they want? Well, is it less confusing if they just say like, because they're two different True, I guess, yes. So, yeah, so should we we say what they are? Yeah, that's what I was, I think we should say what they are. Okay, so for me, you will comment the word print because I picked a print, um, I think that it is like literally one of the coolest like Potter merches I've seen. I wish I had found this print <laughs> to not for the giveaway because I feel like it has to be your thing for the giveaway. I wish I had found it like to buy for your birthday. I, will I haven't like... done my my shopping for your birthday, <laughs> um, and I feel like you're gonna buy it for yourself <laughs> before I do that. So I'll get you something else, but. Um, this print is like perfect for you and it's like it's a really unique thing that I yeah I like I, I really like it I hope that it will appeal to like more than just me I like if you've ever listened to me talk about like merch in general before I like have a very specific style of merch that I like I like it to be like fairly subtle like I don't need to be like wearing a shirt that says I'm a Harry Potter fan on it like I mm-hmm. hate stuff like that um and so this is a print it's like a beautifully designed as well like it looks very kind of like not retro that's not the word but kind of like old timey in a way Mm -hmm. like old sketchbook like it reminds me of Degas honestly and like Degas Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite artists um sorry getting to the point it's a print it's a beautiful drawing of Hermione wearing a blue dress so book accurate and like her Yule Ball dress dancing with a a man who's not facing us but has red hair so may or may not be Mr. Ron Weasley and it's just like this beautiful style and it says like Yule Ball December 25th I think on the it great the Great Hall December 25th yeah and it just like uh it's just so beautiful yeah I I know I'm not supposed to be hyping up your <laughs> item but this is a really cool item um I like personally I feel like I'm less into prints for although I do have one Harry Potter print that I love but um I'm like prints are less of my like merch thing so I feel like it's good that you did that because that's like 
that's like your thing yeah also just Um, before we stop or before we move on to yours i just wanted to shout out the etsy creator it's part of the window shop gal um is her is the shop on etsy where this print is found so even if you don't win it and you like fell fall in love with it like i did go (laughs) buy it (laughs) so mine which this is like so mine's a tote bag so i guess you can comment like tote or bag or something um and honestly i feel like one of my like favorite harry potter pieces of merch is like a tote bag because i just Mm. feel like they're useful and like i have all my pins on it and i like keep all my podcast stuff in it um so very useful great for carrying books Mm. um and (laughs) this one is a flourish and blots tote bag and so it's like kind of like it looks like it would be like their logo and it says magical booksellers the quill is mightier than the wand um and it's like really nicely stylized print um and yeah you can you can put all your books in it and carry it carry them around and it again is something like kind of subtle like obviously if you're a harry potter fan you know what flourish and plots is but like it doesn't say, like, Harry Potter on it. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love what I picked, like, I really think this tote bag is really cool, too. Like, I definitely, I think, like, a big perk of it is that, number one, it's useful. <laughs> and, like, you can actually use it. And, like, I know that tote bags are, like, so in right now. Um, and, like, another one of my favorite things of merch is, like, um, I really like shop like designs um like mm-hmm. um for christmas my brother got me a florian fortescue's shirt from seeker and slade which if you haven't checked out our instagram there's a post of me wearing it wearing the t-shirt and it's like probably my new like it's definitely my favorite harry potter t-shirt that i own mm-hmm. i just think like stuff like that is so cool because it's not so much like harry potter and like ron and hermione and the deathly hallows it's just kind of like the world of Harry Potter mm-hmm. and like the wizarding world and like that is my favorite part of the series in general so I love what you picked as well yeah <clears throat> um so the the shop on Etsy is called Bigsby and Hythe I don't really know how to say that <laughs> but uh they have a good rating and they're based in the UK it's so it's authentic <laughs> Harry Potter merch <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's a really cool, uh, bag. And if I didn't already have my Harry Potter tote bag, I would probably buy it for myself too. So I think they're two things that we both like would like to have. Yes. Um, so hopefully y'all like them too and want to enter the giveaway. I mean, it's like free shit. Like, yeah. (laughs) And like, hopefully not like. I mean, I feel like everybody's going to comment for Katie's item, but then, like, it, then that increases your That's chances true. if you comment for mine. Yeah. You get a better chance if you enter for the lo- the losing item, so. Speaking of <laughs> better chances to win giveaways, we are also doing a third giveaway exclusive to our patrons. So if you want what will most likely be the, like, best percentage chance of winning something, um... You have to become a patron. We're announcing what is on the patron episode, and we are just going to do it within our patron community. So if you want to even find out what that item is, if we piqued your curiosity and you're so just like, 
you loved both of the items that we picked that you even just want to know what the third item is you can become a patron we'll be announcing that in our january patron exclusive episode that we do every month um our two dollars is our lowest tier of patrons so like i honestly wouldn't even be offended that much if you just like gave like became a two dollar patron for the month of january to join this giveaway like that's an option (laughs) i would never like discourage anybody from doing that um so if you want to any any level patron can enter um and we'll discuss the details uh on patreon and on patreon exclusive stuff but yeah definitely go check it out yep so like I said, we're going to be posting our the post. Well, we're going to be posting our giveaway post on Monday, January seventeenth. So, like I said, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, it's already up on our Instagram. Go like, follow us, and comment which item you want, and that is how you enter the giveaway. And then we you will can be only and you can only comment one item. Yes, if if <laughs> if we go back and we look like when we pick a winner, we're going to check to see if you commented both and if you did you're disqualified and you're just not winning either so keep that in mind um and we're going to be picking it it'll be live until midnight on sunday the 23rd of january and so we will be announcing it on the podcast i guess on the first of february because that's our next episode that's coming out Oh, do you want to announce the winner on the podcast? Or I, I figured maybe oh, yeah, just, so we like, just do it on Instagram. About it. Yeah. yeah. So the giveaway closes Sunday, the 23rd at midnight. We'll probably, I guess, pick a winner that next Monday because I won't say up past midnight to pick a winner. You guys can just wait till the next day. Um, so we'll be announcing that either like Monday, Tuesday, we'll reach out to the winners then and get addresses and we will buy and ship these awesome items to whoever wins yeah all right well exciting stuff should we jump into the uh reunion yeah let's so first i wanted to talk a little bit about like the intro package that they did um i thought this was really cool um so it was like emma was at this like bookstore Matthew Lewis was like in a cab and Robbie Mm -hmm. Coltrane was like at a coffee shop that was kind of like the main storylines mm-hmm. that we were following at the very beginning and then they all were just kind of like minding their own business and then they got like a letter and I really loved the detail it was like Matthew Lewis black cab yeah like Robbie Coltrane coffee shop mm-hmm. um which definitely like harkens back to obviously in the first book like Harry Potter cupboard under the stairs or like Harry Potter hut in the rock um you right. know very specific location wise like inviting them back to hogwarts for a 20th anniversary reunion um and like the scenes of emma just like walking through the great hall when you're kind of like following behind her i think just like looked so magical um two things we walked there yes (laughs) and this like of this intro thing it felt like the emma watson special and i'm not complaining i I was like they're centering her and i love it i know it was like kind of weird that it wasn't dan because then we like follow him kind of into diagon alley later yeah um so it's not like he didn't film like any intro package like i assume they just couldn't get him long enough to like do kind of the part Uh, that emma played in the intro i do think that like i I have no idea if this is true, but I got the, like, general feeling that Emma was, like, like, if they, like, they obviously, like, filmed this over, like, multiple days, and I got the general feeling that, like, Emma was there, like, 
every day because I feel like they like her and Dan they had like interview with multiple different mm-hmm. people and just, Emma just like kept popping up and it felt like you know like maybe Rupert was only there for like one day but like Emma was kind of like around for a while so they yeah. kept just using her and yeah not complaining yeah and I definitely like this is kind of getting into a little bit what we'll talk about later but like when it was the three of them together it was like kind of obvious to me that like Emma was like the spokesperson she was was, like in the center she felt like she like carried the conversation a lot of the times like led kind of where the conversation went Mm -hmm. like obviously we're get I'll get to this complaint later but like it seems like it was just like I could have it seemed like they could have had this special be like five hours long. Like it just mm-hmm. like jumped around so much. We got like such small snippets of every single conversation. So like that is to say, like I don't know if it was edited that way, and like it just seemed like Emma was kind of like mm. the main spokesperson of the group. <laughs> and like not to say that Dan and Rupert like never talked. It just felt like Emma kind of like steered the conversation a lot of the times, mm-hmm. and they would like talk over each other, and that like made me very uncomfortable sometimes. Like. Emma would like cut Dan off I think like twice and I was like oh (laughs) and like like us (laughs) yeah and like I totally get that like they are like obviously very comfortable with each other like they have this like familiarity that they can do that but to me I was like oh no like that was awkward (laughs) that's funny okay so should we segment one yeah chapter one Yeah, so, like, it opens up with Dan and Chris talking for the most part. Like, kind of our first real, like, conversation. Yeah, so this is is on Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, and it's called, like, The Boy Who Lived. Yeah. Um, Um, Just super broadly, I have this note in my overall thoughts. I just love the production of this. Like, I really think mm -hmm. it was beautifully produced. Like, I love the use of the sets and kind of, like, how Mm -hmm. this set played into the conversations that these people were having at all times. Um, I loved the, like title cards that they did like the like black white and gold kind of color scheme that they had was just Mm -hmm. beautiful and I loved the like use of Stephen Fry's like some Mm -hmm. of his like actual Mm -hmm. book from the audiobooks um and how like the quotes that they picked like very cleverly tied into like the conversations that they had like I just thought that overall it was produced so well yeah and uh the set's I liked how they just, like, were casually kind of, like, sitting in the sets, and I think the choice of the Gryffindor common room for the trio is obviously, like, such a good choice, and especially because, like, I feel like the Gryffindor common room is not really a big set in the movie. Yeah. Like, usually they, like, move those conversations to, like, have them walking or, like, mm-hmm. through the grounds or, like, in the Great Hall. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, it's such a big part of the book, just, like, them, like, hanging out at the end of the night and, like, having conversations, and so, like, that kind of, like, made me, I don't know, it, I felt like it brought more of the books and made it less, like movie centric in a way so I really enjoyed that yeah um but like jumping into like the convert like Dan and Chris and kind of this whole basically there was just like a section about like pre-actual first day of filming like talked Mm -hmm. about casting they talked about Chris Columbus and like him kind of getting the like the rights almost to like be the one to direct this movie um and just Mm -hmm. talking kind of about like the atmosphere of the kids um on set and just like 
overall about the experience of the first movie, obviously, but I think like seeing Chris and Dan was really cool because mm. I feel like seeing, I think this was the only time that a director, like in the reunion, a director mm-hmm. had a scene with an actor and kind of seeing them was like honestly one of the coolest parts to me. Like yeah. I have this later. I didn't even know what the fourth, what the director of Goblet of Fire oh looked like. I'd never I seen that man. I'd never seen that man before. <laughs> and so like especially him, like Alfonso Curon, Chris Columbus, Chris Columbus and like Mike Newman is that his name yeah. so like the directors of the first four like basically everybody but David Yates seeing them like I just thought they had such beautiful insights into like mm-hmm. the actors the characters what they wanted to do with the movies mm-hmm. again this is like getting into my overall broad thoughts but like it made me feel bad for how shitty we were to the movies in our rewatch <laughs> and like it kind of made me want to rewatch the movies and like have more of an understanding of like each of their perspectives like what they wanted to accomplish in each of the movies and understanding like where the kids were too on it like in each movie honestly made a big impact on me um but yeah seeing chris and dan talk i think was like super cool and adorable yeah and then they kind of transition to like they have like a bunch of different cast members talking about the books and Mm -hmm. that was cool because obviously like we can relate to that and they were all like I think uh, Matthew Lewis was talking about, like, the first time he read, like, he was at a sleepover, yeah. and him and his friend just, like, read one and two silently. And that was I think my it was, favorite. Like, it was really cute to, like, hear some of the actors that we don't hear about their love for the books as much talk about that, because, like, obviously we know, like, Ivana Lynch loves the books. Like, that's why she went to the audition, right? And, that, like, that, like, she read Luna and, like, knew she wanted to play her in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, like... I just think, like, hearing, like, Matthew Lewis and um, Alfie Enoch and just, like, all of them kind of talk about, like, their love for reading and, like, it being sparked by those books. Like, they were like, oh, it's the first, like, real chapter book I read and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool to hear that, like, I feel like we often harp on the movies and, like, the movies feel so distant from the book. And it is, like, important to remember that, like, for most of these people it comes back to like the same love of that yeah that the book series yeah I mean like even Chris like Chris Columbus talked about that you know like his kids had been begging him to read the books and like he finally did and he just like instantly saw the world that like he wanted to make for the movies and this like I mean this like I mentioned this special gave me like a new appreciation for most of the directors everybody but David Yates um oh my god I can't wait to talk about David Gates. <laughs> but, like, Chris Chris Columbus especially, like, the work that he did and, like, finding the, like, core cast that carries us through the movies, the work he did in, like, setting up, like, the core look of mm. the movies and just, like, seeing – this is kind of jumping ahead, like, a tad bit, but seeing how much the kids emph- emphasize yeah. how much fun they had on set yeah. and, like, how great Chris was to them, like, really made me feel really good because I feel like we hear so many, like, horror stories of, like, kids growing up mm-hmm. on set or kids growing up, like – in front of the camera and we like Mm -hmm. hear how terrible it was for them like what negative effect it had on them like the pressure that was put on them and it really seems from what these kids say that they didn't feel any of that at all at least in the like first books when they were like 10 and 11 right like Chris just made it seem like from what 
I can tell Chris made it feel like such a fun environment for these kids to be in. Yeah. Like they talk about how like some days it didn't even feel like they were doing any work. You know, they were just like yeah. messing around. They would like do a take for like 10 seconds and immediately start like laughing and playing around. And it just mm-hmm. how he was able to kind of like keep his patience. I don't know how like working with kids myself it literally seems mm-hmm. impossible and just kind of the like environment he was able to foster in those first two movies just like warmed my heart so much. Yeah, and I think it's like important to like think about how difficult that was with like the just volume of kids they had, you know, <laughs> yeah. like this is different than so many other ki- movies that have child actors. So, um I I really appreciated that and I thought it was really important and really cool. And, like, obviously, um, you know, they talk about some of the hardships later on, not so much tied to, like, things that were happening on set. But it was nice to know that, like, from the beginning, there was, like, you know, like, happiness and, like, these kids were enjoying themselves. And I'm sure there were hard days, but, like, it was cool It was cool to hear that. Yeah. Um. So going back a little bit they're talking about casting yeah um we see some audition footage of the babies they're so cute um tom tells that story <laughs> about the microphone <laughs> and then delivers the line like i remember her because it was emma and i was just like oh throughout we don't have to get to this yet we can talk about talk about tom and emma later but like throughout <laughs> like i wish they had them like um interview together oh my god um, yeah because they didn't, they showed them like hug, but uh, that would have been nice to see. And they just like talked about each other a lot. Uh, yeah. I like the entire time I was waiting for one of them to be like, and we've been in love ever since, and we're married, yeah. and Emma's pregnant with my child. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was I like really holding out hope for that to happen, but <laughs> alas. Um, but. Emma was pretty emphatic in denying relationships with both Tom and yes. Rupert. And I was like, why was like, are you the being... The lady she doesn't was... protest too much. I know. <laughs> I was like, she was like, nothing has ever, ever happened. She kept being like, I love you as a friend, Rupert. Yeah. Like, they kept being like, just friends. Like, and I was yeah. like... Yeah. And like, I'm sure that's a little bit like... I hate for her to like, feel like she has to do that, you know? Yeah. Like, but I was still like, interesting. I don't know <laughs> if I believe you. Because it's like, oh my Uh, gosh, have you seen that thing where it's like, so like Emma and Tom are talking later and Emma was like, Tom had this assignment in school where we were supposed to like draw what God looks like and it was like a woman with a backwards baseball hat on a like skateboard. Have you seen the picture of like Emma and him skateboarding and she has a backwards baseball hat in that photo? (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that photo, but I hadn't even like, I hadn't seen it like in that. No, that's like the only thing I've seen about like the reaction to it is like so so many people were like posting that with the quote and being like... Hmm. <laughs> uh, anyways <laughs> that's so fun. that was hilarious anyway um let's this is gonna be whiplash but let's <laughs> talk about some of the not so good things in that i think it's three or four times throughout this ep this special um and starting in one of the casting uh discussions jk rowling is cut in and it's interviews from that she did at warner brothers studios in 2019 um and honestly it's maybe like a minute total of footage of her like cumulative why like i i was immediately so upset and it like took me out of the moment of enjoying this thing 
Um, and I feel like they, like, kind of made a big deal about her omission. Or I don't know if people were, like, looking at the list and they made a big deal about her omission, like, leading up to this. And first of all, if you are, like, supportive of her and her turfism, like, fuck you, but also, um... You, like the interviews with her aren't adding anything to yeah, this. Yeah, that was like the biggest thing for me. It was like it's she like was it's just, only taking away for the people that are triggered by seeing her. Yeah, like the first time she's shown on screen, she's just saying like how hard it was to find Harry, but like Chris Columbus was already saying, already saying that. that. Yeah. Um and like I get that like I get she was involved with the movies like was she like a producer or just like a consultant? Yeah. Like I'm not even really sure. But like this was, like, more about the movies anyways, so, like, you could I, justify yeah. her, like, not being included because of that to begin with, you know? And I get, mm-hmm. like, talking about her, you know, like, yeah. they mention, like, how she revealed to Alan Rickman about, like, Snape's fate and all these things, and, like, I get that, like, we can't totally omit her from every discussion we have. Like, we even, on our podcast, like, we have to talk about her and things Mm -hmm. she said to, like, get the full picture of the world. And I just think that was, like, I was really upset, and I think it was, like, really quite disrespectful and ignorant of where most of the fandom is right now. And, like, I was just mad seeing her face, but, like, I can't imagine, like, you're feeling, like, say you are, like, a trans fan or... Um, and you're feeling, like, all these emotions, you know, watching these people that, like, you've spent so much time watching their movies, you're seeing these sets, and you're, like, feeling the connection you have to this series, and then you're taken out of it. And, like, that heartwarming feeling that you have is, is, like, ruined, and obviously that's so much of, like, what so many people are dealing with, with, um, her... Uh, transphobic rhetoric but I just like I don't know it it was it felt like sneaky and rude of them to do that and I was I was very upset about it and I like I don't even remember what she said in the like interviews they showed of her because I was just like I don't want to listen to her yeah it was like the first time she came on screen I was like what like I was like number one kind of confused because it took me a while to be like see like oh this is an interview from 2019 Mm -hmm. um because they, like, I mean, I guess I don't know, I don't remember, like, what exactly Warner Brothers said, but, like, I, it, like, it had been known that she was not going yeah. to be in it, or so we thought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, like, kind of jarring, and, like, we talked about just, like, super unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I really didn't have a problem with, like, the capacity in which she was spoken about without throughout Mm -hmm. the series you know they talked about her writing they talked about how important the important the books were and like like you said it's like almost nearly impossible to have a conversation about like how much of an impact the books had without like talking about like she was the one who wrote those books you know like that is a fact we cannot change it and like honestly i'm glad she wrote the books you know like yeah (laughs) obviously like where we are but just like having her come in and kind of like just repeat what would other people said most of the yeah. time it was just like i don't know it seemed unnecessary yeah. i'm glad obviously she wasn't in it more than she was you know yeah. like she could have they like very well could have had her be in the special yeah. um so 
I don't know. It was just weird and like not a great choice. And definitely I had that moment of kind of like definitely pulling me out of what I was watching. Like, oh, interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Like, I don't like that, you know? Right. And I do, um, I do want to point out like two other people that they did talk to are Robbie Coltrane and Ray Fiennes who have, Ray Fines, right? That's how you say it? <laughs> yeah. I can never... Um, if I remember to say Ray and not Ralph, then I'm like, am I saying his last name wrong? And there are people who have, like, defended what she has said. And I think it's just important to remember, like, kind of the sides that people are falling down on. And I actually, I really did, like, enjoy seeing Robbie Coltrane there. Obviously, like, Hagrid is such a big part of the series. And it was really cute to see, like, him interact with the trio and, like, the hear about how... He was such a positive, um, like, influence and, like, you know, like, shining light on set. Um, always, like, keeping the kids happy. Um, but, I mean, I think we should, like, remember where they stand in this. And that, like, every person who supports her and gives her more of a platform, like, every time that platform grows, like, more and more people are actively harmed by transphobia like this is not just words Mm -hmm. and like we have seen the influence of it like in the UK specifically and worldwide so I think just like I want to point those things out and you know obviously we can't disentangle everything um but it did it just like it's complicated things are complicated and that's one of the many like complicated feelings I had coming from this yeah this special but yeah, we can whiplash back into some happy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, it goes on to talk about the set, uh, the environment mm-hmm. set, which I, like, we already just spoke about. I loved all of the, like, extra set footage. <laughs> like, so I, I've seen a lot of, like, that day where they're doing the Quidditch lesson. There's, mm-hmm. like, a, like, a lot of that There's I'd already seen before. There, yeah. But, like, there was a... And, like, a lot of the stories kind of just, like, looking at it more broadly, too. I'd heard, like, the essay writing is, like, such yeah. a famous, like, anecdote. But it's such a good but it's, story. It's so good. But there is some stuff, like, I've never heard before. I, like, I'd heard the Millie story before as well, like, Emma's um, hamster. Oh, my God. That was funny. <laughs> but, like, there, there was just, like photos and like video that like I had never seen before stories that were talked about that I'd never heard before and like in those moments I really like I think is when I loved this the most Mm -hmm. a lot of the times um just like all of the footage of them on set like when they were talking to each of them about like it's the first day on set like are you super excited Mm -hmm. and Rupert has like the clip in his hair and he's like really self-conscious about that (laughs) and Dan is just like hi and like so cute uh yeah yeah it was cute yeah these kids are cute (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like hearing them I think I don't know if this happened now but hearing them kind of talk about each other at that age like specifically I think there was a quote from Dan that was like Rupert was just like the most camera ready 12 year old Mm -hmm. like you ever Mm -hmm. meet and just like hearing that was again one of my favorite parts hearing them talk about like the positive impact, the positive, like, feelings and emotions they have with each other and just, like, talking about each other, like, positively, I just feel like was, uh, was, like, really heartwarming. I liked, like, the trio talking about, like, how each of them fit into their character, like, so many times throughout this thing that they were, like, Rupert was wrong. Yeah. Like, and then they talk about, like, Emma and, like, I think it was Chris Columbus said, like, Emma was, like, probably the smartest person on set like not the smartest kid like literally the smartest person and how like she was such a pleasure to work with with 
with how like it seemed effortless but you put in so much work Mm -hmm. and like preparation and I just think that was like cool to kind of see like especially because I think it's at the end they say like I think uh, it might be Emma says like it's almost like we did the most extreme form of like method acting and like their personalities got so entangled with the characters and it was like kind of cute to see that like it was already sort of like that from the start which obviously makes it easier for child actors yeah. like so well, that was really cute to and then like going about. along with that going back to casting like I think Chris said that like or maybe it was JK I'm not sure which one but one of them said like Rupert Emma were super easy to cast they just like yeah. as soon like yeah. they said that they like just jumped off the page or something like that yeah. like basically as soon as they met the both of them were like this is our Hermione and this is our right. Ron which I think is like really cute <laughs> I know um so more on casting we uh they talk they start talking a little bit about like the adult actors and how like None of these kids realize that they were working with like legends. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like Maggie Smith, like Richard Harris, Robbie Coltrane, like all of these big names, Alan Rickman, that were in it from the start. And then we get even more big names later mm-hmm. with like Gary Oldman and Helena Bonham Carter. Um, but I think it's really like, it's interesting to like just think more about like the juxtaposition of like hundreds of child actors and then like, you know, they called it like royalty of the British acting world. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, see, you kind of already mentioned this, but, like, seeing Emma and Robbie, I think, was, like, really adorable. Just kind of, like, hearing about the connection that, I mean, honestly, all of, from what it seemed like, obviously, from all, yeah. um, all of the, like, adult actors had with the kids, especially the ones that were there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, he says something that's, like, I spent more time with you guys than, like, my own kids at that <laughs> point, you know? Um, I thought that it was, like, really adorable and to hear like all three of the kids talk about how much like each of the adult actors meant to them like Emma was talking about like that scene that they do in Chamber of Secrets like the mud blood scene and how like Robbie was just like helping her through that scene because she talked about it was like my first like real Mm -hmm. big acting moment you know and like Robbie was there for her throughout that scene and just like hearing about honestly like these cast relationships like I have a note of this with like the Tom Alfie and Matthew kind of Mm. moment in Gringotts like I always think about like Dan Emma and Rupert when I think about Mm. like the kids and then like I was like oh they probably didn't actually spend that much time with like Tom or with Alfie or with Matthew Mm. you know because they're just like not in the movies as much but like something that drove home is like they were just on set all the time like even though Matthew Mm -hmm. isn't in that many scenes or Alfie isn't in that many scenes like he was there and they were all like so close like Rupert even says like he was probably one of the closest with like the twins and that like I would not be expecting because they I feel like they're just not in the movie that much you know Mm -hmm. but they were there and it was like really cute to see like Tom with Alfie and Matthew because like I don't even know if like they ever really had a scene together like Tom and Alfie you know yeah um okay so then we go to the burrow um so we like zoom in on the burrow set and uh bonnie wright is there with james and oliver phelps the twins and mark williams wearing his (laughs) little bow tie the twins were wearing like 
uh, they had, like, in this shot, they had, like, coordinated, like, suits. nice suits. Yeah. Like, one of them had a white collared shirt and the other had a black collared shirt. Um, I thought they looked really nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was very professional. But Mark Williams was wearing a little bow tie. <laughs> I thought speaking it was the of, cutest like, thing ever. Speaking of <laughs> actors being their characters, like, Mark Williams is Arthur Weasley. I know. Like, oh my god. He was the seat, like, the shot of him, like, on the train at the very beginning, too, when he's just kind of, like, looking around <laughs> excitedly. Like, oh my god. He was just so cute. Yeah. And I it made me really wish that... Uh, Julie Walters was there yeah well so I like had been reading some stuff about that on reddit and I guess like she recently got a cancer diagnosis and people are speculating Mm -hmm. that that's the reason um like are they like she recently like announced it and it was probably like semi-happening when they were filming as well yeah um like I feel like there's no actual like it's just like speculation on people's part um but yeah. people are saying that that might be why she wasn't there. And but, like, they just, like, so fondly Maggie talked Smith. about her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Her and Maggie Smith were the big ones that were, like... Yeah, and, uh... I felt missing, but... The second Dumbledore? Who's that? Yeah, Michael Gaiman. They Michael didn't talk, to, talk about him at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's this weird. is weird, Because they right? talked about Richard Harris, like, both yeah. in casting and then, like, at the in-memoriam, like, section. Yeah. Um... And then we, like, hear about Jason Isaacs, and I just, like, love him a lot. <laughs> He's great. The way he was talking about his his casting. Yeah. And he was like, I really didn't want, like, I auditioned for Goldberg Lockhart. Like, I, they gave me the part of Lucius Malfoy to read. I was signed up to be Captain Hook. Like, I really yeah. didn't want to two children's villains. And then he's just like, well, and that's what got me the part. Like, yeah. And I literally had no idea Toby Jones voiced Dobby. Like, literally zero clue. His name was in the, like, run at the beginning. Yeah. And we were all like, who's Toby Jones? Like, I looked it up and I was like, oh. he Like, I didn't recognize his picture. Yeah. And then I was like... And I had to, like, look, and I was like, oh, like, he was, he was Tom. Because, like, I know him from, like, Marvel. He, like, plays uh, a character in a couple Marvel movies. I just, like, had no idea that he played that's Dobby. That's funny. Um, but, yeah. I, I will say, there was quite a bit of, like, Draco apologizing going on oh throughout my God. this. And I was like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, from <laughs> Jump and, and, um. I think, I think it was David Gates, which, oh, oh my God, there's so many things to unpack with David Gates, but I think he was the one who was, like, he was talking about, like, Draco's arc in the sixth movie, and he was, like, if we can get, like, one percent, like, one ounce of sympathy for Draco here, we've done our job, and I was, like, I think you did your job a little too well. You fucked up so many, like, young people's perceptions of, like, how they should be treated <laughs> like sorry like, you made him like too desirable and yes. like young girls particularly like think that a bad boy is good <laughs> yeah i mean like we we have complicated thoughts on draco and like we don't need to say them here in this episode like i don't think like maybe movie audiences specifically but i don't think like book audiences really needed the extra push like i understand that, like, Draco is a product of his environment. And, like, mm-hmm. I already have sympathy for him. You don't need to, like, 
like yeah over you know and they kept being like and he like he was a product of his environment yeah and and, like he did good and i'm like no especially in the movie he doesn't do anything he doesn't do anything in the book but especially in the movie you just show him walking away yeah there was just like lots of it going on and like i think part of it is like because obviously like the fandom is in love with tom felton and like i won't fault you for that like keep that up I don't disagree with that kind of love and so I think like he feels the need to kind of like defend his character and because he's so fondly looked at in the fandom it's like Mm -hmm. yes Tom yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the Richard Harris Fox story oh this is so funny this was amazing and like the way that they talked about him like being twinkly is like always the impression I've gotten of him like in the movies so like I love hearing that that's like how he actually was as well and just like it really drove home that like he was a better Dumbledore (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's pretty clear that like everyone like who actually worked on the movies feels that way too yeah oh and then speaking of kind of like the transition from two to three because we're about to do that Chris Columbus mentioned like he left Mm-hmm. Which I, like, never really knew how, like, these directors' departure yeah. and arrivals happened. Um, like, I don't know if it was ever them being asked to leave, them not being asked to come back, and, like, them leaving. But Chris definitely said, like, I left and I felt guilty about leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind yeah, of made me wonder, like, what... <sighs> like, I'm sure I could find this out timeline-wise, but, like, with the recast of Dumbledore, like... Did Alfonso or Chris, either of them, have, like, a, a hand in that? Yeah. Like, when yeah. exactly did that happen leading up to the third movie? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um. All right, so should we... Chapter two, yeah. coming of age. Yeah. Um. So the first thing that they, they jump into with this is Gary Oldman. Um, and this, like, this conversation is adorable like Dan is clearly still like so like infatuated and like admir admiring Uh, (laughs) admir he's admiring um Gary Oldman and like and then they like the trio talks about like how Dan was like like guys like we have to like Gary Oldman is like a serious actor. Like he's <laughs> really cool. Like you have to play it cool. And it's just funny, like because you can still see that in the way he's interacting with him now. And it's like it's really adorable because it also kind of replicates like the Harry serious relationship. Oh. Um, and can I just say yeah, I, really I that. was really digging Gary's suit jacket. It was like this plaid. Yeah. Nice. Like, yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> Gary Oldman is somebody who's just like I. I was, I had no idea what kind, like, I have no idea who Gary Oldman is. Like, I know him as Sirius Black. Yeah, exactly. But he's yeah. always in, like, so many Oscar caliber mm-hmm. movies, like, every Oscar cycle. I'm always just like, wow. It's like, yeah, it just like, blows my mind because, like, he is just Sirius Black to me. Like, a lot of these actors are just mm-hmm. that. And so, like, I watched, I think, like, um, Oh, shoot. What was it? He was in this, like, black and white movie, I think, last Oscar cycle. Like, mm. me, like, Mick. Was that the name of it? I don't know. Um, and I watch it on Netflix, and, like, I think he was nominated for it. Like, I don't think he won anything, but, like, I think he was nominated for, like, Best Actor for it. And it just, like, is so weird to me. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and then like that. This is the instance when they kind of talked about Alan and how like he knew <laughs> they call the they ending. they referred to him as Rickman. Yeah, like oh, I just like hearing that like really took me aback because I wasn't honestly Alan Rickman's kind of absence through a lot of this was like kind of shocking to me I'm surprised they didn't talk about him more yeah um like I get um, again going back to like basically the one big complaint about I I have about this is that it like felt so rushed and like chopped down Mm. um and like I'm sure that if it was longer they would have talked about it more they just like had more valuable you know things to talk about um but like this story and like seeing kind of them like reminisce about it um it was like it just like really cute yeah it was adorable um and they also talked a good bit about um the shrieking sh- shrieking sack <laughs> shrieking shack scene it's a hard word wow that's that three words shrieking shack scene yeah <laughs> um and like that is uh i always point to that as like my favorite like book scene um is like the unraveling of of events there and like I think it's like you know like I don't really have that much of an issue with how it was done in the movies and it's really cool to think about how like it's it's like Dan Rupert and Emma at the age of like 14 yeah. acting opposite Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman, David Thewlis and um Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. And it's like that's like that's pretty cool like and it's like a climactic scene it's so important to the movie um and i think it's cool to like think about how like dan rupert and emma like saw that in their acting careers you know and yeah. i think they dan says something to gary of like when like those actors started showing up not alan rickman because he was there from the beginning like there was this desire to like I, he might say this to Helena Bottom Carter. I don't know if he says this to HBC he, like, or Gary I think he Oldman. says something along the same lines yeah. to both of them. Like, yeah. they, like, wanted to, like, you know, like, really learn from these actors and, like, not be seen as kids. Like, they were maybe more so from, like, the the um, adult actors who had been there from the beginning. So I think it was really... That scene kind of, like, I feel like it kind of encompassed, like, you know, whatever. We can, like the trio's acting is not, like, the greatest throughout the whole series, but, like, I think it's cool to, like, think about that scene as, like, a turning point for them, like, you know, maybe seeing it more of, more as a job and, like, um, taking it more seriously. Yeah, um, and they kind of, like, transition this into talking about, like, Alfonso Cuaron and how, like, he kind of also, I think they, like, one of them says, like, it's the first time that, like, he treated us like we were adults. It was, like, a big switch from Chris to Alfonso, not only in, like, the tone of the series, but also, like, Alfonso treated them like they were adults. I am an Alfonso Cuaron stan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I always had been, because, like, the third movie is my favorite movie. Yeah. I I loved hearing about what, how he talked about how he wanted to bring these, like, stylistic, artistic details into the series because, like, I love that part of the third movie. I think the third movie is, like, just beautiful, kind of. You know, like, there, there's a lot of, like, attention to detail in small things and, mm-hmm. like, pretty shots and stuff. And so I really like that style. And, like, he seems so cute. The way they, like, talked about him, like... You know, we'd all we've all heard the homework story, but yeah. the way they talked about that, and like he just like there was like some footage of him interacting with like Dan on set, that was super cute, and um, 
there was a shot of him wearing a Vassar College sweatshirt, and ah. my brother went to Vassar, so I was like, oh my god, and I looked it up, and his son went to Vassar, so ah. we stand. Um, he That's just cool. seemed like such a cute man. I love him. Yeah, he like, he definitely came... I kind of had, like, negative feelings towards Alfonso Cuaron before that, like, before this, like, as, from no fault of his own. I just, like, the, the Phantom has such, like, a hard-on boner for the third movie that I, like, really just don't see a lot of the times, and so I'm always, like, people just, like, are just, like, so horny for Alfonso Cuaron, and, like, I don't, I don't get it, <laughs> really, um, but, like, seeing him in this, like, really made me appreciate him and, like, love him. And, and yeah. like, like, I don't think he should have done the rest of the movies. Yeah. But I think, like, his role is super important in shaping the series. And, like, to be honest, I don't think the people that did the rest of the movies were the right choices. I can't tell you who the right choice is. I don't know my directors. But, like, yeah. I'm not saying, like oh, like, Alfonso Cuaron, whatever, like, yeah. should be the sole director. <laughs> but I think this, like, really ranked the directors for me, like, solidified my rankings of, like, Alfonso, Chris Columbus, whatever his name, <laughs> Matt, Mike, Matt Mike, Mike, and, and then, like, every other possible director. I know. <laughs> I honestly, um... Yeah, speaking of Mike Newell, so then we kind of have this, like... his name? Did you know his name? I think, like, if I... Like, I think I I knew it. I don't know if I'd be able to whip it out, like, Mm willy-nilly all the time, but, like, I think I knew it. But I'd never... Like, I I was picturing (laughs) a very, like... I don't know why. I was picturing, like, a very, like, slight, very small, like, skinny man, like small i i don't know and then this man came on my screen i was like oh my god that's not my person at all (laughs) um okay the way they like talked about him (laughs) made me it makes so much sense why goblet of fire makes absolutely no sense (laughs) you know what i mean like they were like oh he was chaotic and there was so much energy and blah 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 and i was like that's why that movie is not cohesive at all (laughs) Like, obviously, a lot of it is also down to, like, the screenwriting and all the things they left out. But, like, I could... It's weird because I feel like I don't, like, as a movie viewer who, like, isn't super into the movie industry, I feel like I don't really understand a lot about, like, a director's role and, like, the influence they have on a film. I feel naive about that. But it was so interesting seeing, like, Chris Columbus... And they talked about his environment and, like, yeah. you can see that product in the movie. And then, like, Alfonso Cuaron and you can see that product in the movie. And, like, Mike Newell <laughs> and you can see that product in the movie for better or for worse. I know. Like, he just seemed like really such a, like, fun man. Like, I yeah. really think that a lot, like, the impression I got, again, I'm equally as naive and ignorant as you are about, like, directors. But I feel like a lot of the times they casted or they hired a director that, like, for his ability to work with children mm-hmm. in like the first four it kind of seems like like they talked about like how good chris columbus and like the environment he fostered like alfonso curon's like ability to like trust and like te- like treat these like teenagers as adults and like know how to handle that and then like mike newell being able to like bring this energy and like this fun atmosphere on set and like i don't know like obviously they're probably skilled directors other than this you know um 
but yeah I really liked how they framed each conversation about each director as like kind of the environment that they created on set um Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool but the story of him with the twins literally is just wild like I don't understand how that isn't I don't understand (laughs) I just don't understand how that isn't like a better known story like how is that not as well known as the essay thing also which was it Jamie or Oliver who oh I have no idea which one's which it was I I it was tried whichever to write one is on the like right I think when they were no on the left oh <laughs> um but that story was like wild <laughs> that was really funny yeah Jesus. it's just like I each of the I know I've said this like three or four times at this point but going through each of the directors and like each of where the cast members were at each movie like really gave me such an appreciation for the movies like Mm. uh i don't know okay so (laughs) now we can transition to being horny for people (laughs) some romance both on screen and off um so this kind of opens with like emma and dan talking about how they like would help each other like text their crutches which i thought was so cute um just the two of them like working together <laughs> yeah i think like the funniest part to me about this was like matthew literally said like people dated people broke broke up like people had crushes on each other like just yeah. how it is in school i'm like how like what were these really like like who dated who <laughs> like how like how do we not know this and like i get that it might be kind of like dad had a crush on one of the like Bobaton girl number four so yeah. like it may not be like super intriguing right but, like i don't know that just seems so wild to me <laughs> it's so funny and like going out to emma and dan like helping each other out i thought it was cute because like you know like hermione and harry do that yeah. you know like harry doesn't really talk about like emma hermione is always the one that like understands that, like, Harry's into Ginny and, like, can kind of, like, talk to him about that, like, in so many words. And Harry is the one that always understands, like, how Hermione is feeling about Ron. And so I thought it was, like, kind of cute to see that replicated. Yeah. And then we talk about Emma and Tom. And, like, she's, like, talking about looking for his number on the call. Okay, the fact that she remembered which number he was, I was like, girl, like, marry him. Um, and then, like, they tell these stories, and, like, they both just kind of say, like, we just love each other. Like, that's, like, there's so many emphatic denials of, like, anything romantic, but, like, I don't know, like, how, like, he loved, he loved her as, like, a younger sister, and she, like, you know, I guess she kind of grew into the, like, brotherly love, but, like, it's just, like, yeah, it's really pure and really cute. Yeah, I think they both just say, like, they just, like, could be a type of vulnerable with each other that they felt like they couldn't Mm -hmm. be that type of way with anybody else like maybe specifically on set um and like later on when we talk about kind of emma's struggles with like signing on for more movies like i think tom goes on to say like rupert had dan and like Mm -hmm. i had like my kind of cronies and like emma Mm -hmm. was always like she felt like she was alone and like how he just like speaks with so much like empathy for her like situation in that moment just like also really like drives home the love that i feel like that they have for each other and 
I mean, I love a good, like, male-female friendship as much as probably more than, like, most people, but Mm -hmm. I just... (laughs) Yeah. She has that with Dan. She can have something else. Yeah. She's with Dan and Rupert. Like, come on. I don't know. I just, like, the way that they were talking about each other feels like how old married couples talk about each other. Like, the first time we met, we just, like, clicked. We, like, our old souls, like, we feel like we complete each other. Like, we understand each other in ways that, like, nobody else would. Like, I just have this undying love for this person. And I'm just, like, yeah. excuse me. (laughs) I know. Oh, it was so cute. Yeah, and then the story of the twins teasing Rupert about the dance with Maggie Smith and being like, you know your steps, right? I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Also, you talked earlier about, like, how you did, like, Alan Rickman wasn't so much of a presence in this, which, like, obviously Alan Rickman has passed and, like, you would think that they might, like, talk about him more, but, like, obviously, like, Maggie Smith just wasn't there, but, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like they didn't really, like, talk about her at all, and I was like okay like where's the love yeah i mean like, they I talked think... about julie walters like there just wasn't yeah. like a setup for them to talk about her because i feel like she's kind of more of a standalone character but yeah especially with like michael gambon and richard harris not being yeah. there and kind of doing yeah. like a dumbledore mcgonagall i mean like david thewlis wasn't there which like yeah. i thought was weird as well um like none of the professors were there yeah. like basically besides hagrid you know yeah warwick davis wasn't there yeah ian hart says one thing at the very end out of freaking nowhere (laughs) why did they invite him (laughs) see this is again it goes back to my complaint that i literally think the footage that they had should have been like a four hour like four episode like each of these segments should have been been its own like hour episode like yeah i feel like so many conversations were chopped up i feel like so many didn't get to shine the way that they should have um I don't know that's like my and like I know that that's kind of like a cop-out complaint like it should have been longer but I just like I really think my complaint about it is that it showed in the final product Mm -hmm. like how quickly they moved through things and that's like where it became a problem for me yeah um the last real topic. Oh, where in this. was Robert Pattinson and all of oh, this? Yeah. They like specifically talked about Cedric. Like, m- I feel like more than once. They talked about yeah. They talked about him like with his death. Yeah, and they talked yeah. about like how important that was, and like they showed so many scenes from like the Yule Ball with him yeah. in it, and I was like, because I feel like they definitely put an emphasis on getting the kids yeah. as opposed to the adults. So like, what? yeah. Well, Katie Leung wasn't there. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good point. Um, so then the last, like, topic from this segment is they talk about Voldemort, um, who's played by Ray Fiennes, and I, the, like, I don't really have much to say on this, but I did appreciate when, like, Jason Isaacs was talking about being scared of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, honestly, like, Lucius kind of is, so that's, like, yeah. good, right? Yeah. And, like, when they talked about, like, the designs they had for him, and, like, they talked about the nose, I feel like so much in this was, like, meta, and I feel yeah. like them talking about the nose was definitely one of those, like, meta things. Like, we know <laughs> it's a thing. Like, we have to talk about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, chapter three, the light and dark within. <laughs> Helena Bottom Carter, star HB of the show. <laughs> what chaotic energy! 
we absolutely love this queen. Okay, I well, have also nothing like, further to say. Dan coming out with the jokes right away. Like they walk in and he yeah. goes, he like is the one who starts the whole like Green Gods bit. He's yeah. like, thank you so much for inviting me to your house. Yeah, Dan was like a different person with her. I know. And then like the note from her, I was like, oh, Dan was in love with HBC. He was. Oh that's my the God. that's the actual relationship that gets announced, not um, Tom. I would die. I would die. But like when they go back and they're like mate, like the goblin like statues are still there, and she's like, has anybody been feeding them this entire time? yeah it was like uh, it was a good good comedy um she has the the teeth yeah and she's like she's like i keep this letter in my bathroom by the way yeah, and then they have um they have jason isaacs talking about working with her and he was like he basically he basically was saying in like a nicer way that she was like kind of shitty to work with <laughs> like kind because, of disruptive like, he like couldn't like control her in a scene like he never knew what she was gonna do which is like exactly what you want from Bellatrix but yeah. I can imagine it would be very difficult to work with someone and he like always felt like he was holding her back which is again like yeah exactly how it should be between Lucius and Bellatrix but like yeah that's that was hilarious I was like oh <laughs> She's yeah. just she's just that level of energy all the time I oh my god and, like, I think this is maybe cutting a little bit ahead, but it's still, like, on the Helen Bonham Carter-Dan conversation when she talks about how, like, her kids, like, like to watch the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, another instance of, like, seeing the importance. Um, yeah. Especially for, like, the older actors, because I feel like they kind of asked each of them, or, like, Dan asked each of them, like, how did you end up doing Potter? And, like, yeah. they're like, oh, like, it was a kid's thing, but then, like, people were telling yeah. me it was huge. Like, so it was cool that, like, she well, has, like, like, a connection. I mean, Chris Columbus talked about, like, his kids begged him to read it for so many yeah. years. Like, Toby Jones talked about, like, when he told one of, like, somebody he was going to be in Harry Potter, they were like, yeah. oh, my God. And he was yeah. like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think um, Michael Gambon also kind of has a story like that where, like, he, like, his, like, grandkids, grand yeah, like, basically think... made him take the role. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then, like, oh, I'm sorry. Whenever David Yates is on screen, I just, like, am bored. Like, I... I swear I zoned out every single time no. he spoke. Also, okay, I have more to say on David Gates with the, like, Battle of Hogwarts stuff, <laughs> yeah. obviously. But they, like, introduced David Gates, and then they introduced, like, Emma maybe not wanting to come back. And then, like, they, like, kind of make it seem like he convinced her. And then Emma says something, like, no one had to convince me. And I was like, bitch, yes, no one had yeah. to convince you. Like, don't, like, they, like, framed it like they were going to give David Gates credit for it. And I was like... No. The whole thing kind of confused me, and I'm, like, in no way questioning, like, that she had those feelings, but it seemed like it was just kind of something that she, like, briefly considered. Like, I obviously have no idea what actually happened, but, like, the way that she told the story seemed like it downplayed it way more than whenever anybody else was talking about it, because, like, at the end, she was just, like, yeah, and then I just, like, I knew I would never leave, basically, is what she says, you know? Yeah. Um, And so, like, I was just, like, a little bit confused about like I mean obviously she talks about how much she struggled with it and like that is like completely fair and like it's horrible that like her and like definitely Rupert talks about this as well like when they have their conversation but I was just like a little bit confused about like I don't know because like at the end she makes it seem like I was never gonna leave anyways it was just like hard for me to like make the decision to come back kind of thing um yeah so I 
I kind of had a lot of thoughts around this. Yeah. Um, I was like, I think you're right. And I think that like, they probably like overplayed it. And I don't know if also like this could be her kind of like, editing post yeah you know like because like everybody obviously has their own perspectives on it like I'm sure like and Emma's is probably like the most authentic but she's also like thinking about something that happened like 10 years ago you know so I like this like made me feel really bad and I was like like I just I felt like I really felt for her and for Rupert and kind of for all of them because like they spent, like, 10 years, like, some of the 10 most formative years of their lives yeah. doing this. And I, like, I obviously, like, you get the image, like, especially on my second watch through and, like, at the end. Like, they all are so appreciative of it. And, like, it in some was, like, a good experience. But you have to imagine that there were, like, a lot of bad days and a lot of pressure and a lot of trouble. And, like, that made, really made me feel for them and I also like I think I was just kind of reflecting on like child actors and the like you know the pressures and like scrutiny that society puts on them especially in like something this big and honestly my like my takeaway which like I don't know if this is a hot take but my takeaway like from these things like knowing how positive of an experience it was for everyone overall is that like I don't know that I want the movies to be remade, at Mm. least in this way, because I don't really want, like, I get it would probably be different, right? Like, if it's a remake, like, I don't think it's going to have the same, like, audience Mm -hmm. and, like, hype that the originals have. But, like, I don't want, like, at the bare minimum, like, three young kids to, like, sign their lives onto that and I think like I would prefer like if they do do a remake like kind of doing it like I don't know if they like do something like with changing actors throughout like based Mm. on age it just like it feels like a obviously like it skyrocketed their careers and they made so much fucking money and like they are where they are because of this but it feels like such a weird burden that I like I can't imagine like asking 10 year olds to do yeah, I think, like, something that really hit me at the end, like, one of the last things they talked about was that, like, nothing like this has ever happened before, which, yeah. like, I never really thought about, like, yes, yeah. you have, like, these movie franchises, but, like, very rarely, number one, do they, like, actually center children yeah. in them, and, like, one that takes place over so many years. It's um, so long, and it's so big, like, there yeah. are other, like, book series that have things, but they're not as well, like, huge of an audience like like chronicles of narnia like the same kids yeah. i think did like two movies together yeah. like percy jackson did two movies this yeah. was like eight movies over like i think verging on like 12 13 years yeah um and like i think they say like well don't we don't know if like it'll ever happen again and that kind of thing and just like seeing like i don't know that it just like really hit me I was like, oh my god. Like, yeah, we always I talk just, about, like, we watch them grow up on screen. Like, yeah. like seeing how they change in every yeah. movie. Um, but yeah, it's I just, just, like, super I wild. Kinda, like, I feel like I've always been, like, wishy-washy on wanting a remake. And, yeah. like, not super excited about it. Like, I've, I've talked about this, but I think it just kind of, like, I don't, like, I, I appreciate that this is, like, 
had never happened before and this is like a momentous undertaking that's undertaking and that's why I like kind of feel like it shouldn't happen again I don't know I don't know if that's a hot take I don't know I mean I think that like something with this so like obviously especially in America like seeing the like downfall of the child actor is kind of like a Mm -hmm. running joke basically Mm -hmm. like when are they gonna fall off the wagon and become somebody crazy you know right and I think that like something specifically with this is that like none of that like that didn't happen to any of them Mm -hmm. which I think like goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning just like the environment that they were able to create for these kids. And, like, I am not saying that it's just on, like, outside people and, like, not, like, Dan, Rupert, Emma, because they obviously had to, like, Mm -hmm. have a certain amount of, like, strength and resilience to go through this anyways. But just, like, the surrounding, like, community and family, like, I think something that really got me was, like, when Dan starts talking about, like, the film crew and how, Mm -hmm. like, he, like, this is, like, the time he starts tearing up in the movie. He's, like, there are so many people that, like, are integral to who I am as a person, not only an actor that, like, I met through this. Um, I think it's just, like, really incredible and kind of along with what you're saying, like, do we want to tempt fate and, like, have it... yeah maybe not be this positive i think i don't have like the trust that it would be done yeah in a good way again and you know like that seems so like unlikely yeah um but going back to like emma and all of like this specifically she talks about her struggles and then has a conversation with rupert about it um i mean yeah it was just like i it was it was obviously something that I knew, like, Emma's definitely alluded to this in the past, like, Rupert has also talked about this, um, but yeah, like, hearing it kind of, like, firsthand from them was, like, really hard, but then it ends with, like, this conversation that I've talked about before where Rupert, like, really, he said the words, like, and I'm so proud to be a part Mm -hmm. of Harry Potter, and that, like, hit me so hard, Mm. and, like, Dan says something about, like, this later, just because, like, I wasn't sure that they felt that way. Like, Mm -hmm. I really wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't feel that way. Like, maybe they don't, and they're just, like, acting. (laughs) You never know. Um, But I don't know. Like, that just made me – that, like, hit me really, like, emotionally. Hearing him and, like, Dan talk about how they were proud. Because, like I said, I, like, wasn't sure that they were. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Ivana. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like, I mean, they talk about, like, uh, her casting and her audition, and it all just, it all just makes so much sense. The, like, the clip from her screen test with Dan, where it's, like, improvised, and she goes, (laughs) And Dan, like, jumps out of shot. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and then, like, they all just kind of, oh, there's that scene from Goblet of Fire when, like, Hagrid is, like, when I met you, you Mm. were all just, like, a scraggly bunch of misfits, and, like, Mm -hmm. look where you are now, and I just, like, love that scene in general, I think that's really cute, but then, like, them kind of tying it to, like, how they, and they're all in their own ways, felt like misfits, and how, like, Harry Potter Mm -hmm. is a story about, like, being accepted, and it was just really cute. (laughs) Yeah, and I do, uh, it, this was, like, this being talked about, like, with the, like, Luna part of it. Yeah. I, like, we need to redo our Luna episode. I have, like, <laughs> so much to say about that girl. Yeah. I mean, we did just redo our Ron episode, so. Yeah. So, stay tuned. It's yeah. coming soon. <laughs> it's 
It's like Matthew talks about, like, I didn't have that many friends. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> and I mean, like, it's kind of, like, funny hearing, like, Emma Watson talk about how yeah. she isn't fit in. I'm like, all right, okay, sounds good. <laughs> you know? But, like, I don't want to, like, invalidate the feelings that they obviously yeah. had. Like, and they... There was a time where they were pre-fame and pre-Harry Potter, so... Mm-hmm. But... Okay, so then... <laughs> The Harry and Ginny section, and they're talking about, like, how, like, momentous this occasion of, like, the kiss, then, like, the kiss was, and how Dan's like, yeah, like, everybody that you've known for, like, 10 years is on set, and I was like, oh my god, is this, is this why? Is this, is this why the kisses were so bad? I mean, I definitely think it's a contributing factor, but I really think it comes down to him and Bonnie just having zero chemistry. I was, I'm searching for an answer because it's just, like, so much worse than it, than even a bad kiss should be. Um, I, okay, so, like, recastings in general, going back to Emma, kind of ties into this, what I'm trying to say. Can you imagine if they had recast Hermione for five, six, and seven? Like, no. I, there would... For Emma's sake, I'm glad that she didn't because, like, she would be, like, public enemy number one. Yeah. If she did, which I'm sure wouldn't help things in general. So maybe it was, like, actually a positive thing that she ended up continuing. Um, But maybe Ginny could have been one that we did recast. Like, I love Bonnie Wright. But maybe, like, because she was, like, she was cast when she was seven. Rupert was, like, or Dan was, like, 11. We, we, um... We love Bonnie Wright, yeah. but we do acknowledge that the peak of her acting career was the face she made when Molly Weasley told her her cat was on the jumper and she saw Harry Potter sitting at the kitchen table. Yes. Um, like, that was, she peaked there. I'm sorry. Maybe that that somebody... is cinematic gold, but she peaked there. <laughs> we could have maybe done some, like, chemistry tests Yeah. with Dan leading up to, like, five and six, maybe? Um, when they knew that, like, maybe Bonnie wasn't gonna be the best (laughs) option for Dan. Also, they barely gave her any lines throughout, so it's not like, you know. No, like, I mean, Ginny as a character in the movies, like, has a whole host of other problems, but, like, just specifically chemistry with Dan, I think I could have lived with a recasting of Bonnie Raitt, and I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel. Anyways, um... Yeah, but, like, that was bad. And then, like, they were showing the scene from the movie of them kissing, and I was like, I don't need to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I do have to say, in this segment, Emma says something about mm. Bonnie, Ivana, and Katie, like, being how proud, like, being proud of how who they all are yeah. and how they're all activists. And, like, my heart swelled. I was like, these are our real, like, heroes yeah. of the story. Like, Emma said on so many different occasions, like these i just need you to understand like these people are so good like i love them they are great like about so many different people she just like yeah uh, it was it was a lot but going back to like what i was saying before about like how it was meta sometimes like i literally think this was the most meta moment i feel like they were like we have to address the Ginny harry thing because we are ripped (laughs) for it and so i feel like it was them trying to be like well, you know, we had um, this, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why it is the way that it is, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so then we get a little segment on Draco, but I don't really have... No. I feel like we already talked about that. Yeah. And then there's the in memoriam. 
this made me feel like not like I don't know actors deaths have like rarely ever affected me like whatsoever just because I like don't see them as real people a lot of Mm -hmm. times um and I think this really made me more emotional than I thought because it was like very emotional hearing these people talk about them as real people like specifically when Draco's talking about Helen and like the impact that she had on like his life and his acting Mm -hmm. um like it made them not just be like a character on my tv screen like Mm -hmm. hearing them talk about these like departed actors like and it like was actually very emotional yeah i agree okay and then we have chapter four something worth fighting for (laughs) um so they were like they like cut back to a scene of like the three of them in the common room and they're talking about like how how old they are or whatever and like i think who, who says it like dan or rupert is like at least we don't say like look as bad as we did in the epilogue and i literally died yeah, when they said that was that. funny um okay they spent a good chunk of time talking about the dancing scene which we yep. know i love and this made me really happy and like emma talking about how like she thought it was gonna be weird but then it was like one of her favorites and the way she talks about it and like that like moment of joy and just like you know letting loose with like her friend and like brother um it like it is exactly how I see that scene and what I love about that scene so much and it's like the one good thing David Gates has ever done um and (laughs) it made me really happy yeah then they just like talk about the Ron and Hermione kiss quite a bit. Um, Emma says, us kissing was the most horrifying thing either of us ever had to go through. And I was like, wow. Damn. Um, I, like, at some points, like, they seem so not awkward talking about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I felt awkward. <laughs> like, at the end, when, like, when Emma's like, whenever you talk about this, it feels like you're describing some sort of, like, horror movie. And he's like, no, but it actually, like, wasn't that bad. It was all right. And I'm just like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, knowing that, like, he, like, I, I don't know if he's married or whatever, but, like, has a partner and has a child and him, like, you know, our kids, pretty good, right? Like, you know? Like, I felt very uncomfortable. But, like, they didn't seem uncomfortable, which was, like, throwing, it was, it was, it was a roller coaster. <laughs> um, yeah, they didn't talk about Emma and Dan kissing. I see your yeah. name. And I was, like, that's so weird because they made such a big deal about it. I was, like. Yeah. I don't know. Like, she also kissed, was, like, was Rupert the most horrifying thing? And then Dan, like, not? Like, are yeah. you just rank their kisses, Emma? <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was a quote, David Yates goes, I love the Ron and Hermione romance. And I'm like, did you though? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. like, the clips of them, like, kissing and then, like, laughing was, like, really hilarious. And how Emma was talking about how she was like, I knew Rupert wouldn't be the one to, like, go for it. So, I had to go for it. And they were, like, describing it as, like, she was, like, attacking him in these scenes. It was just great. Yeah. Okay, Battle of Hogwarts. David Gates tried to defend his choices. He basically was, like, it was written in the Great Hall, but I wanted something bigger and, and entirely different. And I think my version is better. And I just, like, how delusional do you have to be? Like, this is another moment that I feel like was so meta. Like, everybody hates the final battle. 
And he's like, but this is what I was trying to do. Like, he, he bas- but he like missed the point. Like yeah. everyone hates it for the reason that he made it big. Yeah. You know, like and not like down to earth in the Great Hall in front yeah. of everyone. Um, and like they he was like but I wanted to do it that way because of the reason you're saying it's bad. Yeah. I just <laughs> Like I said, I really had trouble focusing whenever he was on screen because he was just so boring. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just annoyed. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I just like, I don't know. I think that like maybe we should have just tried after five. I guess like five maybe wasn't that bad. Maybe after six we should have tried to get a new one for seven because going back like six is actually such a trash movie. I love six. <laughs> it's so funny. No, I love the six book, but like, I don't know what was going on with the filming of six, but like, it all, it looks so glowy all the time. Like, it looks like there was some like filter that was over the camera. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um, but anyways. Yeah, that's all I have to say about him. Um... So then there's just kind of, like, the wrap-up where they, like, show clips again from, like, the trio's first day and then their last day filming. I, I cried at this part when they show the final scene. When they were, like, legitimately bawling into, like, each other's arms yeah. at the end, I was like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> and um, I really appreciated the, like, Rupert and Emma, like, solo conversation, or just the two of them conversation during this time. It was really cute. Um, to hear like, both of them like talk about what they meant to each other and everything yeah and like when when emma goes thanks roops like after she's after like rupert's like i love you and i'm just like i die like roops <laughs> um yeah. and then like honestly i think one of the things that like one of the moments that made me so emotional and i don't really know why it hit me so hard was like when robbie coltrane was like i won't be here forever but like Hagrid will always be here, and I'm just like, yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then they use always at the end. Yeah, and just like, you know, like like I mentioned, like one of the things I really really appreciated about all of this was like hearing the cast members talk about each other and how much they all meant to each other's lives. Like, there's a scene of Emma where she's like tearing up and she's like I just like am so proud of like how Rupert and Dan handled everything about how Mm -hmm. they took things so took it so seriously and how they like approached this movie franchise because like she was just like I just like so appreciate that so much and she was like in tears talking about and how like in this seat in this like part they were also talking about how she like she had said like we always just like knew how to be there for each other we understood like Mm. how hard this was for all of us and like we maybe didn't talk about it as much as we should had should have but we were like always there for each other she was like I remember like if one of us was tired we would just like fall asleep on each Mm -hmm. other if like one of us really needed a laugh like they would make me laugh you know like and how they just kind of had this just implicit trust with each other was just like really really heartwarming yeah yeah I agree (sighs) okay I don't really have any overall thoughts. I feel like we talked about a lot of those. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, like like I've said, the big takeaways for me were 
like honestly just hearing Dan and Rupert talk about how special this experience was for them um I did want to point out that there's a absolutely not a single Hufflepuff character (laughs) in the entire thing I mean your only options would have been Cedric or Tonks yeah like you had Luna literally no Hufflepuff (laughs) anyways um, um yeah overall I really liked it and I think my like yeah I I think by far my like favorite parts were the trio all talking together yeah um I think those were like the best like quote interviews and like conversations and yeah I think that was like the most like unlike anything we've really seen yeah I I really wish again my biggest criticism other than jk making appearances yeah is that like it really just i I could tell it should have been longer than it was and like i said Mm -hmm. that's when it becomes a problem like i would have loved to see like dan and robbie talk like i think Mm -hmm. that would have been super cool like dan and ray fines talk i think that could be really cool Mm -hmm. i just feel like they're and like i get that you can't make it hours and hours and hours and hours like we would watch that but like getting these actors I mean, like, I guess they had all the footage for, like, they had definitely had more than they showed us. I just feel like it felt shorter than it should have been in a lot of ways. It was, like, mm-hmm. cut up so much. We, we whipped around so much. I feel like I'd wish I'd seen some people more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my only, com- my two complaints. Yeah, um... So we did ask in the Facebook group, so I'll just run through. Oh, yeah, and I'll pull up the Instagram story that you posted right after it came out. Yeah, so Lisa said it was fun to hear the actors' perspectives and watch them interact and also to hear from directors and producers. Um, Leia said it was good, but I wish people like Maggie Smith or Emma Thompson had been involved Mm. in some way. I wish Emma Thompson is a big one. That Yeah, that would have been fun. Um, Linda said, loved it, girl crush on HBC. <laughs> you want to not like her because of her character, but she's just so damn likable. Micah said, enjoyed it, um, was expecting something different though. Taryn said, loved it, cried, laughed, and looked forward to watching it again. Justine said, absolutely loved it and wished it had been longer. And Salvador said, they left out Percy. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, pretty positive reviews. Yeah, some of the comments on our Instagram story were emotional and hilarious. Loved it. Loved it. Very fun to hear the actors. Very fun to see the actors and hear their stories. Nice. Um, okay, I don't have anything else. Nope, make sure you go check out... Or yes, I can say this in the wrap-up. But before you get to the wrap-up, make sure you go check out our Instagram and join our giveaway. Yeah. Um, and... Uh... I don't know if we've got any Spotify podcast reviews yet, but remember you can now review us on Spotify in addition to Apple Podcasts and go subscribe and all that stuff. Yep. So I've mentioned our Instagram multiple times, but I realize I haven't mentioned our Instagram handle, so that might be helpful for some people. (laughs) You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Um, we are also Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies Podcast or Wizard Studies Pod. Wizards, no, wizard studies, just wizard studies. You can support us on Patreon if you want to enter our Patreon exclusive giveaway. We are just Wizard Studies Podcast on Patreon. Cool. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest. 
and learn until our brains all wrap.